1: Hello, part two of chat with Stephen K. Amos. My bath is still not overrun, I don't think. Uh, I'm sitting one room away from the bathroom, so as soon as I feel a sort of puddle of water at my feet, I'll know it's time to go and turn off the tap. Here's part two of my lovely chat with Stephen K. Amos.
2: Stephen, is it true you've met the Pope? Oh my goodness! Did you not see my documentary? It came at a very interesting time in my life, where I just lost somebody very dear to me. Mm. And the the basis of the show is that you retrace a genuine Roman Catholic pilgrimage from the bottom of the Swiss Alps into the Vatican. Mm. And I thought, you know, let us I am not religious in any way, so I did it. And I was, it was great going with these amazing people, all of different faiths. And what what that taught me is what we have lost in the world with social media. When you talk to people who are respectful of you as you are of them, despite their background, despite their sexuality or, or, or these shows socioeconomic status, but you respect each other. We talked about religion and all sorts of things. There was a, a Jewish lady there, there was um, uh, a Muslim uh, guy there, there was a Muslim lady there, there was an atheist, there was a the Roman Catholic, there were all sorts of people there. And we let each other speak and talk to each other. So in those conversations, what you don't get on social media is nuance. You don't get that. Instead, it's sort of like reactionary clickbaitery nonsense. So we did that uh, walk, and it was great. My my record was walking 17 kilometers in one day. I love that. Really? I don't walk at all. And then um, the last day of filming, they said, we've organized a half-hour private audience with the Pope. And originally, I said, no, I'm not doing this. Why don't I want to meet the Pope? You know, I've got many reservations about the Catholic Church as an institution. Mm-hmm. It was only when uh, Marine Baig, an Asian TV presenter, said to me, you know what, Stephen? If any other leader of any other faith invites me into his house for a chat, I'll go. Yeah. And that really taught me a lesson. I thought, mm-hmm. why am I on the back foot? Why don't I give this man an opportunity? So I said, yes, I'll go if you can ask questions. And they said, what kind of questions do you want to ask? I gave them a list of questions. They said, this may spark a diplomatic incident. But <laughs> uh, the Vatican and the Pope agreed to answer the questions. And so, yeah, had a half hour private audience with the Pope.
1: And tell me what you asked him, because it's incredible that you used the opportunity to do, you know, really not, you weren't fawning, you know, you asked some proper questions.
2: I know. And I was, and I, and I. to be honest, I was, as I said, I was on the back foot. I was pre- I had something prepared just in case he gave me what I thought he was going to give me a stock answer. I said, "I the question I asked in amongst a lot of questions, some weren't shown. I said, I've, I've lost my mother and I've lost my twin sister. If indeed there is a promised land as a gay man, would I be welcome in to see them again? And I expect him to just give me some, you know, nonsense reply and not, but he said to me, um, um, people give too much emphasis on the adjective gay rather than the noun man. This is not good. Those people do not have a human heart. It doesn't matter if you are gay, you will always be welcome into the kingdom of the Lord. And I was just like, and it blew me away because I expect him to just go, um, just bless or whatever. But mm. he told me that those people who put too much emphasis on gay rather than the human being, a man, those people don't have a human heart because everybody's equal. Uh, you do not lose your dignity. Uh, and he just reassured me in a weird way. Mm. And, and I can see why people turn to religion. Uh, I, I can see why people uh, revere him because he did that to me in that moment. Mm. You know.
1: Yeah, and it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's um, at that moment as well for you, having just lost your sister. Like I can imagine that was what a beautiful thing to hear. And and it is a great answer. But I also go, well, there's quite a bit you could do if you. That's what you think, Mr. Pope. You know what I mean? Like.
2: Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I. And I. I agree with you, but also I do know that, and from my travels and my walking on that pilgrimage. A lot of the people don't like this particular Pope Francis. They think uh, he's too yeah. lenient. And, uh, and not just people that we met on the way, that people around him, you know what I mean? So I mm. think it's it's a difficult thing because you have to take baby steps. And when he said that, and they put it online somewhere, you know, other people, you know, who call themselves Catholics, abusing him. He doesn't speak for us, blah, 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 blah. And I thought what he said to me was, and was so powerful mm. that that should have been on the news. To be mm. honest, I just thought for me it's quite important for for people to hear what he said yeah. because they, we also asked him about um, um, his views on abortion, which they didn't show in the in the final edit. Mm. But it'd be like people who are deeply religious and struggling with their sexuality, for example, yeah. I know a few people like that. That would be that will be comforting for them to hear, yes. you know. Even though he hasn't expressed it as, uh, or, or or kind of uh, put it as a policy for all of the Catholic Church dioceses everywhere, but at least he listened. He listened.
1: So we can still all go out raging
2: on a Saturday night, and we'll get through the pearly <laughs> gates. Is that the answer? Oh. Oh, Go, can you imagine? Yeah, bring your own board. right, Peter? Can I come in? <laughs> <laughs> do you know? I've not been clubbing for probably easily ten years. Really? Yeah. Have you got Have you got a night out in you? <laughs> Very good question. Do you know? I was having this conversation with my friend the other day. I said, "Do you do this? Do you have a drink in the afternoon and then fall asleep?" That's what's come. That's what it's come to. I now have to. <laughs> and then, then I remembered, actually. I never used to drink in the afternoon at all. <laughs> so maybe that's the problem.
1: That's part of the problem is that you're stuck. I mean, if, I, I never drink during the day, really. Like I'll have a glass of something, but I just it makes me feel dizzy and strange. But I do think it's really important to dance. And I think you, as one gets a bit older, you kind of lose the opportunities for that or the logistics of it just get a bit yes. much. And I, yes, yes. And I find that normally I find... The time I know when I want to go home from a club is when I'm on the dance floor and I start thinking about food. I'm like, I wonder if there's (laughs) a McDonald's. I'm like, I bet, what time is it? Because I wonder if that one on Tottenham Court Road is still open. My body tells me it's time to go.
2: (laughs) I really do think I've got something, I've got at least a dance in me. But I I remember about three weeks ago, myself and my fellow cast members from a play I did called My Night Mm. with Reg,
1: Mm. all
2: decided to go out in the West End and then we all decided to go into onto Old Compton Street and to the G-A-Y bar. There was a, a massive queue outside and my friend just swam to the top of the queue and we all walked straight in. And I kid you not, it looked as though we were all there to pick up our children. It was just like, <laughs> man of a certain. <laughs> it was just like, oh, no, this is not a good look.
1: My friend always said, the age to stop... I don't actually agree with this, but he said, he's a straight man, so he said the age to stop going to nightclubs is when you look like undercover police. And um, <laughs> and I think, but what I do like about queer spaces is that like, we can
2: be all ages in them.
1: Where do you get hold of a good gay night in South London?
2: Well, there used to be a place in Richmond that's since closed oh, down. I didn't know that. There okay. They opened a place in, just by on the corner near the Wimbledon train station, uh, but they lost their license. Dot. So you, I, I, you'd have to probably go to Hammersmith the two brewers or there's a nice, nice little place under the arches by the railway bridge as well
1: oh i didn't know about that one
2: yes um, lovely cocktails two for one
1: well stephen maybe we've got a night out in us i think we should we Please. can live report it
2: <laughs> yes that'd be a great idea
0: small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust Oleum's new Custom Spray 5 in 1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5 in 1. Only from Rust Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
1: So this new show at the moment is called...
2: Oxymoron, Oxymoron. yes. Um, It's a kind of departure for me because, well, people should know that the dictionary definition of oxymoron is a self-contradictory phrase. Mm -hmm. And I think that post-pandemic and lockdown, there is a lot more contradictions in the world than ever before. Uh, That's what I really genuinely believe. And things have happened... I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I really do think that things... No, things have happened that that people were saying was 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 going to happen, and then they like the, the whole thing about um uh, being, becoming a cashless society. That's yeah. become a thing, mm-hmm. and I was you know I I thought cash was king. The whole no- notion of being able to order for a menu in a restaurant. I mean, those days are gone. It's all QR codes now. Oh, I, mean, I know. And it's just like it's it's just like the future. I mean, I remember <laughs> the old days when you'd go into a restaurant and you'd order from a menu and it was great. Now you've got to to, to put in the work before you can have have a meal.
1: I know. And if you take your mum with you, then you've got to then train them how to get the QR code on their phone. The torch is on and then it's ringing. But I'm not opposed to the QR code thing because as soon as I sit down, I can look at the menu. And if I'm hungry, I can get the show on the road. Do you know what I mean?
2: Oh, I see. I see. You're the type of people. You're the type of people that ruin it for the rest of us. I like that. I like that human interaction where somebody can tell you what the specials are. And they know about the the best dishes to go for, the most popular dishes to go for.
1: So where, if you love a sort of chat with the man telling you about the specials, or the woman, or the non-binary person, what are Stephen's hotspots, top spots for a bite?
2: For a bite. Well, at the moment I'm very fond. Um, do you know Merton Abbey Mills?
1: Fuck, I love Merton Abbey Mills. Yeah,
2: there is a little man there who uh runs a Jamaican restaurant called Ting and Ting. Ting. And yeah, and when I did my last night at the Hamas of Apollo, I got him to do the after show catering, oh, and it was incredible. Cool. And then I've got to know him very, very well. His name is Garfield. And then when I did a show maybe four years ago, then he came with about ten of his friends and heckled all the way through. No, <laughs> it was, because he thought he we were friends. I was, you know, that thing when people take things so literally and yes. just keep chatting. I'm like, mate, got a job to do.
1: That's hysterical. So how it do was, you?
2: It was very funny. It was, but he really thought he was part of the show.
1: Oh Garfield, and so how do you how do you deal with a heckler?
2: It depends on what the heckle is. Generally, if the heckle is nice or funny, you run with the moment. What Mm. I try not to do is encourage a heckle because some Mm. people think that they are funnier than the person they've paid money to go and see. Mm. Or that they're in a group of friends and one person is the clown, the joker, and they Mm. try and do that because I guarantee that nothing that they say I would never have heard before. And B all I've come with prepared material will be better than what you have to say. Yes. But then sometimes, like I'm doing a routine where I talk about um, uh, there is no nutritional benefit of Marmite. Um, and then somebody shouted out uh, a couple of weeks ago, what about B12? <laughs> and, I mean, you, you can't write that kind of stuff. I mean, That was hilarious. The entire place erupted. Really? I mean, who... Yeah, who would have thought that of all, the, of all the people to come to my audience, it would be somebody who's a specialist on the B12 vitamin in <laughs>
1: And do, you, you know, all this stuff that's been happening with Russell Brand lately and Catherine Ryan speaking out about Russell Brand, I don't know if she's actually specifically said that's who she was talking about, but do you think comedy is having its Me Too moment? And have you seen... That side of it,
2: in your i i personally haven't seen that side of things, and maybe it's because, as I say, bloke, you know, I'm six foot two. um, I'm not the sort of person one would a mess with, or or do anything to. I suppose. And for a long time, when I was doing the comedy clubs, it was rare to have a woman on the bill, for example. Right. It was rare to have two black people on the bill. Mm. And I, the only thing I would say, I, I think the comedy industry, like any other industry, is bound to attract, you know, weird people, um, horrible people. That's life. Not to excuse anyone's behavior, but, you know, if, if and the people I sort of know in the comedy industry are the sort of people who would call out, bad behavior and let's not forget with with russell brand i mean i've only ever done one gig with russell brand uh over the years i've done a few telly things with him but i've done one uh, live comedy gig so i didn't mm-hmm. really know him that well mm-hmm. so and i do also know that a lot of the female comics have got like a whatsapp group where they do tell each other about certain promoters and certain bad behavior yeah comedy i, I think all industries need to have a good old shake-up to mm. as to what is and is not acceptable.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it it's the, you know, how do you solve this stuff? But I do think about why does it start? And I feel like comedy is one of those industries which you feel so blessed to be able to be part of. And if you get some gigs and you get some people laughing and then you get another gig and, you know, you're going around the country, these tiny little venues that that are not linked there's no hr system running them all and i feel like therefore Mm. so much can fall between the cracks Uh, although that said russell brand you know that wasn't what was going on with him it was like it was big tv and he was you know he was doing it in plain sight he was joking about it on never mind the buzzcocks and we were all laughing being like what a scamp you know and we, we were all kind of complicit in many ways and I suppose it's been a societal shift as well, that now you watch that stuff back in context and you're shocked, Mm. right?
2: Yeah, and context is everything. And we also should be aware and understand that, of course attitudes and language changes over time you know what was considered i remember watching comedy shows in the late 70s you know where there'd be scantily clad women and the joke was they'd get a slap on the ass, or mm-hmm. or you'd look down their cleavage and that was funny you know what i mean it mm-hmm. was meant mm-hmm. to be i mean it didn't speak to me but it was just like oh and you look at those now you cringe even more you know, about what was acceptable, even language, you know. In my in my lifetime, for example, I've been called many, many things. I've been called uh darky, blacky, the n-word. But much lately I prefer Stephen because mm-hmm. that's where we should be. Do you know I me? Mean? And I think because attitudes have changed, particularly the onset of social media, there are now a very many more voices out there who have a platform to be heard and they're challenging the status quo.
1: Who, is there anyone you can think of who's like the next gen who excite you?
2: I've got to say, this person has just had uh, a sitcom out on the BBC, Mwan Rizwan ah, yeah. is just, Mwan. the joy in his show and in his comedy is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And to to do a show like that, where it's, it's challenging, it's in your face. He's out and proud and gay, and to get Russell to be in the show as well as your love interest again, another trailblazing actor. Putting those two together, it's, it seems fresh and 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 it would would absolutely touch a lot of people. You mm. know, in the same way that you know, I think things like Heartstopper and It's a Sin touched a lot of people, and I think it's so important. <music>
1: Thank you, Stephen, for swinging by. I loved that chat. Next week, we are going to be talking to comedian Leo Reich. Leo Reich, mark my words. Leo is going to be a megastar. I discovered him when he was supporting Simon Amstel on tour and I cried and cried and cried with laughter. He's a comedian. He's incredibly funny. So that's coming up next week get in touch stay connected on instagram at homo sapiens at homo sapiens podcast on facebook email your comments your questions your agony uncles to hello at homo sapiens podcast.com this has been wonderful i thank you all right now ah and just like that there's my timer for my bath bye for now
2: Invesco Distributors, Inc.
0: Powered by Spirit Studios.